Chapter 3 Matt, I'm not sure if this is a good idea, Foggy says nervously, looking between Frank and Matt. Even if we can't extend the range of the bond, it's only reasonable for us to know the exact limitations of it, Matt says. Frank nods, but doesn't say anything, which is about what Matt expected. Frank had been mostly silent the whole morning. When Matt brought up the idea with him, Frank had been hesitant, but had agreed eventually. If Matt was a betting man, he would put his money on Frank being desperate to get some space from Matt after last night. Matt had tried to bring up last night exactly once, and Frank had swiftly and brutally shut the topic down. So Matt had brought up the plan, Frank had agreed, and Matt had called Foggy to monitor them. Are you sure you don't want someone else here for this? Like, maybe Jessica? Foggy suggests. Matt can smell nervous sweat breaking out on Foggy's brow. He really is a good friend. He clearly wants to be doing anything but this, but he has shown up and he's here for Matt. Frank snorts at Foggy's comment. You think Jessica would actually sew up to watch one of Red's dumb ideas in action? Matt scowls back at him. If it's so dumb, why are you going along with it, Frank? Frank gestures widely from where he's sitting across from him on the couch. I don't got nothing better to do, now do I? Matt huffs and opens his mouth to argue. So how exactly is this going to go down? Foggy interrupts Matt before he can start a fight. Matt holds out a piece of yarn. Frank and I will hold on to this and extend it as we walk away. That way, when an attack hits, we can measure exactly how far we can move apart before that happens. Sounds reasonable, Frank says. Foggy mutters under his breath. I don't think anything the Punisher thinks is reasonable is actually a good idea. Frank sends a look Foggy's way like he's heard what he said, but before Frank can say anything, Matt stands up and hands part of the yarn to Frank. Foggy sits on the armchair, his whole body tense, heart beating faster than normal. Matt might possibly feel a little bad about dragging Foggy into this, but he trusts no one as much as he trusts Foggy, and if someone is going to know the exact limitations of the bond, he'd want it to be him. Frank and he slowly walk across the floor, releasing more and more of the yarn as they go. Matt focuses inward, looking for any signal that an episode is going to happen, but he notices nothing, until suddenly he does. He grunts as electricity races through his body, moving through every cell and leaving a devastating pain in its wake. He feels his body shaking, and he falls to his knees. He faintly hears Foggy exclaim, Jesus! and come running to him. Then an arm is slung under his arm, and Foggy grunts as he lifts him back to his feet. Matt bites back a scream at the touch. He doesn't know if it's someone else touching him, or making his body actually move through this, but the pain intensifies. Come on, Matty, just a little bit more. Foggy coaxes, and then Matt feels Frank reach out to him, and his hand grasps his leg. Immediately the pain dissipates, and Matt drops onto the ground besides Frank, and leans as much of him as he can against the other man. After a few minutes, Matt feels like he can talk again, and asks, Did you keep hold of your end? Frank says, Yeah, I did, Red. Frank says tiredly. Thank God. Let's never do that again, yeah? Foggy says shakily, and Matt's too tired to try to reassure him. Foggy, can you grab the measuring tape on that counter and see how long this is? He asks. Matt hears Foggy's hair swishing against his clothes as he nods. When he comes back, he grabs Matt's end of the piece of yarn and extends it out, folding it where Matt's grip was to mark the length and going back to Frank's end and measuring from there. Well... Frank asks a bit impatiently when Foggy stops at Matt's end. It's just under four and a half feet, uh, about fifty-two inches. Frank sighs and wraps a hand around Matt's waist. Foggy's heartbeat stutters at the motion, and he releases a little squeak. Frank ignores him and says, Do you think the distance has shrunk? 
Or was the five-feet thing not an exact number? I'm not sure, Matt says slowly. He thinks about last night and Frank going into the bathroom. They hadn't tested the distance before, but he feels like the distance from his bed to the bathroom is more than five feet. Eventually, he says, I think the bond let us stretch farther last night. At the mention of the incident last night, Frank tenses and slides his hand off of Matt. He feels like part of himself leaves with Frank's touch, and he feels a tangled mess of emotions rise with it. Guilt, anger, sadness, and a want so deep it scares him. You're not shielding, Red, Frank says, and a flush of shame rises in him before he releases a breath and shuts down his side of the bond. Shielding? Foggy asks, confused. Matt sighs and presses his thigh more firmly against Frank's, seeking something from him. The closeness the bond demanded. Maybe comfort, too. Matt scowls at the thought before intentionally letting the feeling go. The bond's changing. I can hear Frank's thoughts, and he can feel my emotions. Matt hears the muscles in Foggy's face move. He can imagine the grimace on it. It must be expressive, because Frank says, Yeah, that about sums it up. Do you have any leads on how to... Foggy makes a chopping motion. Break this thing? We talked to Wong, and he's looking into it. But that's all we have right now, Matt says tiredly. Shit. I'm sorry, you guys. This is a lot. Foggy says tiredly and slumps down into the armchair nearest them. Matt sighs and pulls himself up off the floor. He immediately misses the heat of Frank next to him, but he isn't going to let this thing control him any more than it already is. Well, that's enough of a break. Let's go for round two. Frank nods and stands up just as Foggy says, Wait, round two? Matt, that was terrible! Why the hell do you want to do it again? We talked about this, Foggs. We want to see if we can stretch the distance or build up a resistance against it. Matt says tiredly. Yes, you did tell me that, but that was before I saw you shaking on the floor in agony. That changes things for me. I don't want to see you do that again. I don't like seeing you in pain, Matt. Matt walks over to Foggy and places a hand on his shoulder. Can you please do it for me, Foggs? Foggy curses slowly and says, Fine, Matt, but you owe me so much for this, and I will be collecting. Matt smiles and says, You got it, Foggy. They test the bond what must be at least six more times. Frank has lost count. All that exists in him now is a bone-deep tiredness and a desire to never be apart from Matt again. This was a bad idea. Not only had Matt stressed Nelson out so much that he almost had an anxiety attack, it also felt like the after-effects had worsened. The need for closeness felt worse after every try, and both of them forcibly ignoring it only to try again each time made the skin hunger worse. Nelson had eventually left after confirming that no, the distance hadn't changed at all. If anything, it might have shrunk by an inch, which was alarming in ways Frank didn't even want to think about, which left Matt and him on the couch. Frank stretched out with his head against the armrest and his feet dangling off the edge, and Matt laying with his head on his chest. The other man had fallen asleep, and Frank was tired too, but he was too wound up to shut off his mind. He had had the dreams before. Nightmares had always been a common appearance first of his time in the army. Maria had always been there to comfort him afterwards. She would curl around him, and he would hide his face in her hair, and just breathe as the shaking left him. Then the attack at the carousel happened, and he woke up with new nightmares and no one to cling to afterwards. He got used to it. It was old hat. But then the good dreams happened, and they were so much worse than the nightmares. He woke up each time, happy, looking for his wife, his kids and then reality hit him like a gunshot, and he shattered all over again every time. 
he fell apart at the realization that they were gone, that it was his fault, and the parts that seemed like had scarred over, not healed though, never truly healed, broke open again. Matt being there, seeing that, was awful. He shouldn't have to share that with anyone. It was private. It was his pain, and he shouldn't have to give that up. Waking up expecting Maria and having someone else in his bed felt like guilt. And when Matt hadn't circled him, for a moment, all he wanted was to lean into it, to cry. But he wasn't Maria, and Frank never would have shared that with him if he had a choice. So he left. He suspected Matt didn't get any sleep after that last night either, and it was catching up to them both. He would just close his eyes for a minute. Not sleep, though. He didn't want any chances of a repeat of last night. But some shut-eye for just a moment wouldn't hurt him. Frank's world is a burning inferno. Everything painted in shades of red, sounds and sensation coming from every direction, and overwhelming every thought he had, until he actually realized what was going on. He had fallen asleep while Red was asleep, and now it was his turn to be dragged into the other man's dreams. Red's dreams weren't like Frank's, like movies filmed in exquisite detail. They were emotions and impressions, jumping from moment to moment. This one was a good one. Good job, Maddie, said someone. A swell of affection rose in red, and it echoed for Frank. It didn't last. The sound of a gunshot, Red's fingers running over a face and coming to a pulpy hole. Dad? The shock, horror, and grief. It was my fault, echoes clearly in his head. Frank doesn't know what the fuck Red thinks he could have done to cause this, but clearly the idea stuck deep. The scene flashes. He's fighting someone, older and bigger. He needs to do better. Stick wants him to do better. But a fist comes out and hits him in the ribs and he falls over. I don't know why you'd think I'd stay when you're this much of a failure, Maddie. It's no wonder your daddy chose death over staying with you. He walks away, leaves Red aching on the ground. Another flash. He's in a large room, holding someone against the wall, with an arm across his neck. Do it, Matthew. He deserves it. He's the reason your father is dead, isn't he? He can't see her, but she sounds familiar, and clearly she's someone important to Matt. He realizes there's a knife in his hands. A rage builds up inside his chest. This man is the reason his dad is dead. His hand is trembling as he presses the knife to the man's throat. The man whines as he pushes deep, and a hint of copper fills the air. He's bleeding. He can't do this. He drops the knife and the woman sighs. I've no use for you if you can't kill him, Matthew. Please don't leave, Electra. I... He chokes back the love you as the woman dissipates like smoke, blown away by the wind. In a flash, she's somewhere new. You lied to me, Matt! That voice he recognizes. It's Nelson, but Frank has never heard him sound this angry. Are you even really blind? Or is that all a cover for this? Fucky, please! Murdoch's voice sounds wrecked and he feels fear, real fear, that this is the last straw, that Nelson will leave too. I'm done, Matt, Nelson says, and the words cut Murdoch, and he starts to cry. Nelson walks away, and he hears the door shut. Red is left on the floor crying and bleeding and dying, and he thinks, I deserve this. They all leave. It's because I'm not good enough. Those Murdoch boys, they've got the devil in them. Echoes from everywhere around him, and then there's silence. Nelson's echoing footsteps are gone. There's no sound except for Red's ragged breathing, his blood slowly draining from his body. He lays there dying, no one there to care for him. And God, is that what the idiot thinks is going to happen? Can't he see how much his friends care for him? Nelson, Karen, 
those other vigilante friends. It boils him up that he's been hurt so much that he's been fucked to the point where he expects people to leave. Frank's over it. He rests control and manages to speak. Wake up, Matt. You're done here. He opens his eyes. He's dragged Matt into wakefulness with him. The other man tenses and whispers, Frank, in a soft, small voice. Yeah, Matt, it's me. I'm here, and I'm not leaving. Matt's hands grasps his arms in a bruising grip, and he shakes in Frank's arms. He feels a wetness gather on his shirt, but he says nothing. He just holds Matt until he calms down. He projects as much calm steadiness as he can, and it must work, whether through the bond or just his presence, because Matt stills. You were there, Matt says, and Frank hums an affirmative. You pulled me out of it. How did you do that? Frank thinks on it for a minute. I don't really know. I'd had enough of your bullshit down talk. Matt flinches at this, and Frank rubs a hand along his back and continues. And I sort of rested control of the dream. Matt sits up and says, well, thanks, I guess, with a strained smile on his face. I have some work to finish, so I'll just... He gets up and walks to the coffee table to get his laptop. Matt, wait. Frank reaches out and grabs the other man's hand. I didn't mean it like that. It's fine, Frank. It doesn't matter, Matt says. But Frank feels Matt's hurt. It clearly does matter. But Matt doesn't want to talk about it, so he'll drop it. It's not until they're in bed that night that he realizes it. Red's already asleep, and Frank's just drifting off. He called him Matt again. He's getting attached, and attachments breed pain. Frank tells himself he can stomp it down. But then he looks down at Matt, asleep again, right next to him, and his heart pangs and he doubts himself. It's just the bond. It has to be.